Hello and welcome to Epic. Thank you so much for being here to worship with us this morning. And if you are joining us online, thank you so much for worshiping with us from your home or wherever you are. Uh, my name is Jake, and uh, many of you may not know me. I'm still relatively new to Epic. I've been here on staff for about a month now. And I just want to apologize in advance because uh, my role here is I am the group's lead. And so over the next few weeks and few months, it's literally my job to pester you about joining and signing up for a group. You know, groups have been so important in my life over the years. And that's where real uh, community and growth takes place. You know, I got to spend some time with some great men yesterday. A week ago, we had a Man Up uh, conference that we attended. Then yesterday, we met at the park and just had some great burgers, uh, cornhole, and a good celebration, and just got to meet some really uh, good men there. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, and so it's my job over the next few months to make sure that you guys are all getting plugged into community and growing uh, through our growth groups. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. So uh, I just want to give you guys a real quick uh, kind of where I came from, and so you get to know me a little bit. So I've been in ministry over 26 years. I got involved in ministry at age 18 in sunny California. And uh, my wife, Julie, she's down here in the front row. We've been in ministry together for a long time. We did some ministry in Vancouver, Canada. Spent a little time in in Texas, a little time in San Diego, Orange County, California. And then in 2017, uh, God called us to uh, Florida. And so we've been here for several years, kind of serving in the Jacksonville area. And then a couple months ago, started having conversation with some of the leaders here at Epic, and it, it became very clear that God was calling us to move an hour south uh, to Palm Coast, and so we are so thrilled to be here. You guys have just been so awesome over the past few weeks. I've gotten a chance to at least shake your hand and meet many of you, and so I just want to thank you so much for welcoming uh, my wife and our kids into the Epic family. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I know that we have a lot of our teenagers, including our two boys, are over on uh, the other other coast of Florida right now, and they've been experiencing their winter camp, and so I just want to say hello, because I know some of the leaders and some of the students are probably going to be watching uh, this message later today on their drive back home, but thank you so much, leaders, for giving up your weekend and pouring into our students. You guys are amazing, and I can't wait to hear about all the incredible uh, God stories and all the life change that took place over this past weekend, so thank you so much. All right, so this morning, I want to kind of set up the the message by asking you guys a question. Uh, Have you ever pursued something or pursued someone? Yeah, I think about Ryan Gosling in The Notebook, if you're familiar with that movie, how he he climbs the Ferris wheel so he can meet Rachel McAdams. Or I think about uh, Aladdin, where he uses all of his wishes, he uses all three of his wishes just so he can have a chance to be with Princess Jasmine. Well, Valentine's Day is just a couple of days away. And so today, not only are you going to get a message, but you're going to get a bonus love story as well. So you see, Valentine's Day 2003, that's 20 years ago, hard to believe, but it was the very first day that I ever heard my wife Julie's voice. And then the very next day, February 15th, 2003, was the very first day that we would ever meet in person. So long before the days of, of Tinder and OkCupid and Farmers Only, you know, we didn't have fancy smartphones where we could meet someone, someone that way. So we actually had to do it the old-fashioned way. That's right, I'm talking about eHarmony. So <laughs> we had these big, bulky computers that would take up your entire desktop. 
And you couldn't just go on to eHarmony and start finding pictures of cute girls, right? You had to take like a two to three hour intense um, personality profile test. And then it would send you matches, not on base who you thought was cute, but on who was going to be a good match for you and be compatible uh, for where you were at in your season of life. And, and so here I am, I'm 25 years old. I'm living in Orange County, California, and, I, and I'm on my free 30-day trial of eHarmony. So yes, not joking, this is how we met. And so all of a sudden, I start getting matches you know, in my, in my email every day, and I come across this one, uh, this cute, adorable girl, and at this point, I don't even know what she looks like, it's just from our conversation back and forth. But I find out that, that she's, uh, she's Christian, she loves Jesus, she's involved in serving in her church, and we have a lot of similar interests. We both like U2 and Coldplay. And I'm like, oh, this is like too good to be true. And then, oh, wait, I find out that she lives in Vancouver, Canada, which is like a 19-hour drive, 1,300 miles from where I'm living. And I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to change my preferences to like within 30-mile radius. Is it, is it too late to go back and do that? And so long story short, we, we hit it off. We start emailing back and forth, you know, and, and it, I'm not talking short emails. I would go into my office because I didn't have a home computer. You know, this is 20 years ago. I go into the office after hours when no one was there and I would spend two hours putting together this email, just hoping that she's going to respond the very next day. And so Valentine's Day is approaching. We've been going back and forth for a little while now, um, all, all through email, haven't talked in person. Uh, and so I decide, you know what? Um, we start dating as we get closer to Valentine's Day. And this is going to sound really, really gross for those of you who are not in the romantic type at all. But when you're long distance dating, you can't just go to the movies together. So we would rent the same movie from a blockbuster video. Anybody remember those? So we would, whether it was cold or not, you got in your car, you drove to the place, you picked out the movie, you stood in line. So it's like, half hour, 45 minute commitment just to get the movie. You can't just go online and get it instantly. So we would both rent the same movie, watch it together, and then email each other back and forth our thoughts on it. And it was a way to kind of help us get to know each other and connect and, and grow in our relationship as we're kind of feeling out each other here a little bit. And so Valentine's Day is approaching. And so we've been doing this like online dating thing for a couple months now. And so I get the idea. I was like, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. What about on Saturday, the day after Valentine's, you go to a pier in Canada, I'll go to a pier in, in um, Huntington Beach, California, I'll watch the sunset, you watch the sunset, it'll be so romantic, we'll both be watching the sunset at the same time. And so she, she falls for it, she's like, oh, how cute, right? <laughs> so a couple days go by and I'm like, oh my goodness, this girl just told me where she's going to be on February 15th at sunset. And I used to get this crazy idea in my head that I'm going to go meet her, right? And I'm telling my coworkers, and they're like, you're crazy. That's like, no, don't, that's, she's going to think you're insane. But I'm like, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And so I, you know, I take what money I have, and I buy a plane ticket, and I'm like pumped up. I'm like, and I go find out if this girl who I've been, you know, emailing with, if she, one, really exists, two, if she's even a girl, that'd be great, right? And so like, I'm just like, I just got to know because I'm investing all this time and energy into this relationship, and I've never even talked with her on the phone. I've never met her. And so I decide, you know what, Let's, I'm going to send her flowers. I don't want our very first interaction to be just kind of weird standing at the pier. So I send her flowers on Valentine's Day. Now, while I was getting ready to send her flowers, I thought it'd be real clever to, instead of sending her 12 roses, I would send her 11. And then I would show up the next day with an extra rose. All right. And so, <laughs> but what I didn't know is she becomes the talk of her office that the very next day on Valentine's. So... 
Not only did she get my roses, she got another set of roses. You see, she worked in a, uh, she was on like the top floor of this big financial firm. And all day long on Valentine's, she would be calling ladies to the front who got these big bouquets. And so she hated Valentine's because all day long she was saying, your flowers are here, your flowers are here. And then she felt like she didn't get any flowers. So she had reached out to one of her close friends and said, I hate this. Please just send me flowers so I don't feel left out. <laughs> so she has one set of roses show up. And she calls her friend. She's like, what are you doing? These roses. And he's like, no, I didn't send you those. And then a second bouquet shows up, his bouquet, right? And so now she has two sets of flowers from two different guys. One doesn't even have a name on it, you know, from me. And so, like, it's crazy. And then her, her coworkers noticed that one of the bouquets only had 11 flowers. Like, oh, that must have been a mistake from the florist, right? Who would only send 11 flowers? And her friends start saying, oh, he's coming to meet you. And she's like, no, that is not going to happen. There is no way that is going to happen. And, and so Julie becomes the, the talk of her office. The second bouquet shows up. It's missing a rose, all this stuff going on. And so here I am. I jump on a plane from Southern California, fly into Seattle. It's about two and a half, three hours from the border. And I get my rental vehicle and I start driving. And remember, I got a deadline here of sunset, right? And so as I approach the border, I'm about six or seven miles out. All of a sudden, I notice traffic gets a little heavy and it stopped. Now, being from Los Angeles, I'm thinking nothing about it. It's just traffic, right? After a while, I notice there's people sitting on the hoods of their car. There's people throwing the football on the shoulder. Like, this doesn't look right. They are way too comfortable. What is going on? So I rolled down my window and asked this car next to me. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, this is a border lineup. It can take hours. I'm like, I don't have hours. I need to be across the border. I have to find a florist. I have to get to this pier that she told me about by sunset or this little window of opportunity that I have to meet her in person is going to be gone. So I roll up my window. Nothing else to do. Only way to solve this problem, I pull over to the shoulder and I fly up the shoulder. Yep, I was that guy. And then about a quarter mile before the border, I pull in, there's cars honking at me. I'm like this bad guy, right? You skip the line. I get across the border, I find a florist, I get to the pier a couple of minutes before she does, and I, I mean, I just couldn't believe I made it. So I, she comes out to the edge of the pier, I let her walk out first, I come up behind her, and I try to say something like clever and romantic and sweet, and I just butcher it. Because as you get to know me, smooth is one thing I'm not. And so I, I fumble through this line, and she doesn't even, she's still not even looking at me. She's just standing there like this, shaking her head like, I can't believe that you're here. And long story short, we ended up driving around her town that night. The next day, she was involved in uh, singing on her worship team, two services in the morning. And then she's like, well, if you're going to be here this weekend, you're doing what I'm doing. So we got church twice. And then I'm uh, also singing at a, one of our campuses like an hour and a half north in Whistler. So I tag along for that. And anyway, so this is our 20-year anniversary. And so happy Valentine's Day, babe. <laughs> And I would still cheat my way across an international border to pursue you. So anyway, well, that leads me into uh, the title of today's message, which is True Love Pursues. And when you think about uh, love, you think about Valentine's Day, you can't help but think about romance, right? Now, we all associate Valentine's Day with romance, but I actually think that today is one of the most romantic days of the year, let me tell you. Today is a very special day. Today is a day full of hopes and dreams and opportunity. Today is a day that has been dreamt about by many since they were just five or six years old. 
Today is the day where hard work, blood, sweat, tears, and years of planning and execution all culminate into a single moment, a single moment in time that's going to change the historical narrative of many individuals forever. And today is the day where millions around the U.S. and around the world are going to gather together in homes, living rooms, backyard patios, restaurants, and even churches. And today is the day that quite possibly has more money invested into it than any other day all throughout history. That's right, I'm talking about today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? The most romantic day of the year. So some of you ladies in here are thinking, you know, Jake, you had me with your romantic love story pursuing your wife. Now you're talking about football. And now some of you guys and ladies in here are thinking, all right, football in church, I can get down with that. So what is so romantic about Super Bowl Sunday? Well, let me tell you. Let's define the word romance. Romance is a noun, is defined as a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. And romance as a verb is defined as to chase, to pursue, to woo. So over the years, my wife and I have had the privilege of speaking at some uh, marriage conferences. And one of the first things that we do is we challenge couples, we challenge them to be willing to be the romantic type. In other words, be willing to chase, be willing to pursue, be willing to woo your spouse. Now, I've seen many guys who say that they're not the romantic type. I've seen them get very passionate about their football teams. I've seen guys stand up and cheer, yell, high five, fist bump, chest bump, a room full of complete strangers over a football team a group of 53 big, burly, hairy, sweaty men that they will never meet, and they get so excited. You know, if this describes you even just a little bit, then I'm here to tell you that you are more romantic than you think. You know, I think we're all a little bit more romantic than we think because romance, it deals with pursuit. And aren't we all pursuing something? At the beginning of the year, all 32 NFL teams, they have the same goal. They're chasing, they're pursuing the same thing, the Vince Lombardi trophy. They'll spend months planning and preparing for this goal. They'll scout out and draft new talent. They will hire and fire personnel. They will push their players through intense workouts and training all in pursuit of a championship trophy. And so why do we get so excited when our team makes a big play? Well, it's because it's romantic. Remember, romance deals with mystery and excitement. When there's two minutes left on the clock and your team needs to orchestrate that magical game-winning drive and they pull out plays that aren't even in their playbook that no other team in the league has seen and it's all about this one moment, all the hard work, the practices, the film study, it all comes down to this one moment in pursuit of a Super Bowl championship. And so there, that's my argument for today, not Valentine's Day, being one of the most romantic days of the year. It's the pursuit. So let me ask you again, have you ever gone out of your way to pursue something or to pursue someone. You know, maybe you're sitting next to someone that you pursued, or maybe they pursued you. Maybe, uh, maybe you're in a career right now, and that's the result of years of a pursuit. True love pursues, and we pursue after the things we love. You know, God's word has a whole lot to say about love, in the New Living Translation, the word love is mentioned 759 times. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. 
In 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. In Matthew 22, when Jesus is asked about which is the greatest commandment, he doesn't reply with saying, thou shalt not. No, he replies by saying, love. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now this here, this was such a radical teaching moment by Jesus. You see, all the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they, they were so intent on keeping the law that they failed to miss the true heart of the law, which was love. And so Jesus sums up the entire law with these two simple commands. He says, love God, love people. Love God and love people. Pursue God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Pursue your neighbor. Go after your neighbor in love because true love pursues. As we're going to see throughout this series that we're in, much of what we will learn from Jesus is going to be taught through his teaching. But we're also going to see him teach through his example. You know, the most quoted verse in all of scripture is about how God pursued you. We actually sang about it in our first, song, uh, first worship song this morning. John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Isn't it awesome that God loved you so much? God desired to pursue an eternal relationship with you so much that he was willing to send his son Ask him to leave heaven, come to earth, and to die for you so that you might have life. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing from prison, and he writes about this. He writes about how Jesus was willing to leave his position in heaven, to enter this world as a baby, and submit himself to suffering and pain and loss in order to pursue, because true love pursues. Philippians 2, 6 to 8 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. If you're here last week, Pastor Tim shared with us from John chapter 3 where Jesus taught Nicodemus what it meant to repent and to believe. So this morning, I want to look at another example in Scripture. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. And this is an example of where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pursue others, and he's going to do it through his actions. Now, understand that pursuit, pursuit doesn't just magically happen. You don't just wake up one morning and, oh, I won the Super Bowl. No, that took your entire lifetime of pursuing that dream. Pursuit does not just happen, and it doesn't come easily. And so three points that we're going to cover this morning. Uh, pursuit requires intentionality. Pursuit requires effort. And pursuit requires sacrifice. Intentionality. Have you ever noticed that when you receive a phone call or you're invited to lunch or coffee with someone, and you've been there for a few minutes, and especially if it's someone that you don't really hang out with on a regular basis. In the back of your mind, what are you asking yourself? Why am I here? 
Why did you ask me to lunch? Why did you invite me to coffee? And you're, you're concerned about what are their intentions? It's, it's, it's too bad that we live in a, a culture, live in a society where we can't just invite somebody out just to get to know them. There's like that secret agenda. Why did you want to pursue me? Why did you want to have lunch with me? There's, what is their ulterior motive? What is the ask? Pursuit also requires effort. Now we all appreciate effort, don't we? If maybe if you've ever been a coach or if you're a boss or a manager, you appreciate it when people on your team are willing to put in the hard work and the dedication and the effort. In a marriage relationship, we appreciate effort. Effort is attractive. When a man takes the time and effort to coordinate a nice evening out or to come home with a surprise gift or flowers, that's attractive to women. And men, Valentine's Day, two days away. It's not too late to to put something together special for your special someone. Think about that example we're talking about here with football today. You know, because none of us like watching a stale offense, do we? If there's an offensive coordinator and they got to put together a two-minute drive, you want to see their best plays. You, you want to see what they have that's special, right? Imagine watching your team needing to put together a game-winning drive, and they just hand the ball off, and he runs up the middle and gets stopped. Second down. Hand the ball off, runs up the middle, gets stopped. Third down, same play. Hand it off, run up the middle. That would frustrate you to no end. But do you know that in your marriage, you're the offensive coordinator? And are you running the same stale offense again and again and again? Mix it up a little. Little play action, little read pass option. Get creative because you're the offensive coordinator in your marriage. Ladies, same goes for you. A little note tucked away in your man's luggage when he's going away, wearing his favorite outfit when he's coming home, sending the kids away to the grandparents so you can have a special night in. The more effort you put in, I guarantee you the more your spouse is going to feel valued and loved because it shows that you're pursuing them. And number three, pursuit requires sacrifice. There's a cost. Everything of significance has a cost. When I jumped on that plane 20 years ago to see if this young woman that I was emailing could potentially be the one of my dreams, it took intentionality, it took effort, and it took sacrifice. Now, I could have just waited to see if, oh, it's nice emailing this girl. Maybe someday our paths will cross. Maybe someday the universe will bring us together and we'll be like, oh, you're that girl I've been emailing. I could have waited. I'd probably still be waiting. It also took effort. I was a college student, didn't have a lot of money, buying a plane ticket two or three days before you go. That's the most you're ever going to pay for a plane ticket. But I emptied my savings, put whatever I could in there because I wanted to go pursue this girl. It took effort. I had to get on a plane, go to a country I'd never been to before, get across the border, cheat my way across the border, find a florist, and meet her at the pier. It took hard work. It took effort. And it took sacrifice. There was a cost. What if I got there and she wasn't there? What if I got there and we didn't hit it off? And what I thought was this new relationship that was unfolding, it was over. And we're just like, oh, yeah, you're not quite what I thought. It took sacrifice. So in John chapter 4, Jesus is going out of his way to meet a Samaritan woman. In this passage, Jesus is returning to Galilee from Jerusalem. And he passes through Samaria. And as he passes through, he's a bit tired from his journey. So in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. 
Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So intentionality. Make no mistake, this encounter with the woman at the well, it was not an accident. Jesus intentionally set out to pursue her, just like Jesus is intentionally setting out to pursue you. Now, do you believe that it's just a coincidence that Jesus returns to Galilee on this route? I don't think so. Do you think it's just coincidence that Jesus passes through this town at this exact time and sits by the well? No, he full on knows that she's coming by to draw water. And is it coincidence that Jesus dismisses his disciples into town to go buy food? I don't, I don't think so at all. See, what will we learn about the disciples? Some of these disciples, they get very reactionary, don't they? When Jesus is in the garden the night he's betrayed, one of his disciples slices off a guard's ear. Like these guys will jump. And so here they are. Jesus, I think, is very concerned about what they might say when he's sitting alone with a woman by the well. So he dismisses them into town to go get food. Now, here's what I know about God. God is actively pursuing you. It's not coincidence. His pursuit of you is intentional. And God will never stop pursuing you. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really about being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Mark 2.17, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to, not, to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Matthew 18.12, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? If there's one thing I want you to take away from today's message, it's this. Jesus is pursuing you. Jesus is pursuing you. It's not a coincidence that, you're, that you are here today hearing this message. It's not a coincidence that there's this tugging on your heart. And for some of you, maybe you've had this tugging on your heart for a while and you didn't know what it was, but now that you're sitting here today, it's making sense. Oh God, you are reaching out to me. And you know what? You have an opportunity to respond to God's call today. And if you don't respond today, guess what? He's going to keep tugging on your heart saying, I am pursuing you. I am for you. I want you to come back to me. You see, Jesus wants to have an eternal, personal relationship with you. And he's never going to stop pursuing you. Number two, pursuit requires effort. Effort's hard work. By our normal dispensation, what do we do? We usually do what is easy, right? We take the easiest route. That's why on, on every alarm clock, what is there? There's a snooze button. You have the opportunity to do what is easy and to say, you know what? I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to get up. It takes effort. It takes hard work to get up and to go after something. On Jesus' travels, even though Jesus has taken the most direct route to get back, this particular route was a route that would have been avoided by any Jew. But aren't you glad that Jesus willingly takes the route that others avoid? 
The Jews, they would avoid passing through Samaria at all costs. They would actually travel a bit further east to avoid that part of town. And if you've ever been in certain cities, what are you willing to do to avoid that part of town, right? You'll walk around the extra way to go the safe way. You'll avoid that part of town. In those days, the Samaritans, they would often harass any Jews who dared to pass through. And you can see this even in her initial response in verse 9. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see, the Jews, they despised the Samaritans. Samaritans, they were descendants of pagan tribes who had been settled by the Assyrians when the kingdom was divided hundreds of years ago. Samaritans, they would often scatter human bones in the Jerusalem sanctuary and in retaliation, the Jews would come back and they would burn down their entire village. And this hostility was nothing new. This hostility had been going on for centuries. It would have been easier for Jesus to avoid Samaria altogether and to go around. But Jesus willingly takes the route that others avoid so he could pursue the woman at the well. Pursuit requires intentionality. Pursuit requires effort. And pursuit requires sacrifice. There is a cost. In John 10, 18, Jesus says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is talking to a rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler, he claims to have kept all the commandments but when Jesus asks him to sacrifice his possessions and to give his money to the poor, the young ruler goes away sad because he had great wealth. Last week, we looked at Nicodemus. And you may have caught it, caught it last week. Nicodemus, when did he seek Jesus out? He sought Jesus out at night. He knew his reputation would have been at stake if any of the other members of the Sanhedrin saw him approach Jesus during the day. So he approaches Jesus at night. And Jesus teaches us by his example as he intentionally goes out of his way to pursue an, account, an encounter with a Samaritan woman. And when does he do it? In broad daylight. Broad daylight at noon. Of, he knew for sure there were going to be people who started rumors about him. Why is this Jewish man talking with a Samaritan woman in broad daylight? What does he want with her? But Jesus is willing to put his reputation on the line to pursue others. When the disciples return in verse 27, it says, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? So why is Jesus pursuing the woman at the well? And why is he pursuing you? Well, it's because Jesus and only Jesus has something that you need. When Jesus showed up at the well, the Samaritan woman, she, she's sitting there alone and, and she offered him a drink. She saw that he was tired. And she knew that this drink, this water could quench his physical thirst. But look at Jesus' response. In verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. 
It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. You know, these few verses, they are an entire sermon just on their own. But what I want you to notice about this conversation with the woman at the well, and what I want you to notice about the conversation with Nicodemus, and what I want you to notice about that, that, that calling that's going on in your life right now is that Jesus is offering Nicodemus, the woman at the well, and he's offering you all the same thing. He's offering you to drink from the well that never runs dry. He's offering you living water. And how many times have you tried to fill that void in your life by chasing after all the wrong things only to wind up thirsty again? You know, many people pursue after love. They pursue after money. And those aren't terrible things. Some people pursue after popularity, acceptance, pleasure, success. You can chase after those things. You can pursue those things. You can give your entire life toward those things. And it's funny how when you get what you thought you wanted, you're thirsty for more. It amazes me. I've watched the Super Bowl every year since I've been a, probably seven years old. And it's funny, sometimes you see the Super Bowl MVP and, and they're having this speech at the end and you would think, man, they worked entire life for here. You could just retire and they say, what are you going to do next? And yeah, there's the whole, I'm going to Disneyland. But what are you going to do next? They're already talking about, well, tomorrow's day one. I'm putting in the work. They're going right back. They're in pursuit of again. One wasn't enough. They thought the, the pinnacle of their career was to get here and win that championship, but then it wasn't enough. They need another and another and another. And they're still not considered an all-time great because there's someone who has more than them. Those things that we chase, we think we're going to get there. We think we're going to have enough money. We think we're going to have enough love, enough popularity, and it's never enough. We are still thirsty for more. And Jesus is pursuing you because only he can quench that thirst that nothing else in this life can satisfy. When you drink from the water that he gives you, you will no longer be thirsty. So let me ask you today, are you pursuing God? Do you truly love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Because true love pursues are you being intentional in your relationship with God? Is there any effort? Is there any sacrifice? Are you pursuing others? How do you go out of your way to intentionally pursue those who are lost, those who are thirsty, those who need to drink from the well that never runs dry? You know, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. True love pursues. Are you intentionally seeking out others to show them love and mercy and grace? Are you willing to sacrifice your wants and your needs in order to put others' wants and needs above yours? You know, the story with the woman at the well, it doesn't end there. It goes on. The Samaritan woman then goes and pursues others. Verse 28, it says, the woman left her jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. It says many Samaritans 
put their faith in Jesus that day because of the woman's testimony. Jesus pursued her, and her response was to go pursue others. True love pursues. In this lifetime, we can pursue riches, we can pursue fame, we can pursue Super Bowl trophies or whatever the equivalent of that is in your own life. Or we can dedicate our life toward pursuing God and pursuing others. Love God and love people. So who will you go out of your way to pursue this week? I want to challenge you. Be intentional in your pursuit. Be willing to go out of your way to put in the effort. And church, know that you will have to sacrifice along the way. Maybe today, maybe today you're hearing for the first time that God is for you and that God has been pursuing you. God not only has been pursuing you, he is pursuing you and he will continue to pursue you. God is after you. Maybe today you're thirsty for the living water that Jesus is offering and everything you've tried up until now, it has not satisfied. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Accept what Jesus is offering you. If that's you today, know that God is pursuing you. He's speaking to you today. And in just a moment, I want to give you a chance. If you've never done so, I want to give you the chance to invite Jesus to come into your life and say, God, thank you for pursuing me. Everything I've been chasing, everything I've been pursuing, it's not been working. I want to drink from the living water that only you can provide. And so let's pray. All, all across the room, if you can bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And for some of you, you're going to say this prayer for the very first time. But I want to ask everybody in here, whether you're a Christ follower, especially if you're a Christ follower, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Because by you making this proclamation out loud, it might encourage someone right next to you to say that prayer for the very first time. And so if you can just all repeat after me, say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But I also know that you pursued me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for loving me so much that you left heaven, that you came to this earth and suffered and died on my behalf. I thank you, Lord. And Jesus, come into my life. I want that living water that only you can provide. I'm tired of chasing after things that leave me thirsty and wanting for more. I receive you today. Be the Lord of my life. You can keep your heads down and eyes closed. And if you've said that prayer for the first time today, would you be so brave just to raise up your hand so I can see you, so I can pray for you throughout the week? Thank you. I see those hands. In the back, I see you. On the left, I see, I see all of you. All, yeah, there's more hands going up. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up real quick. Say, God, I, I see you. 
You can put your hands down. If, if you are watching online right now and you said that prayer, I want you to reach out to us. Reach out to us so that we can get in contact with you. If you raise your hand today, whether at home or here this morning, we have a resource that we would like to get to you. And so please stop by. I'm going to be right outside these doors when you exit today. Stop by and say, hey, I said that prayer for the first time, and I have a book I want to give you. It's going to help guide you and walk you through your next steps. And church, we're just going to spend a moment in reflection of how good God's love is for us. So God, we thank you. Thank you that you never stop pursuing us. God, we thank you that, that our sin, no matter how bad, no matter how far lost we were, God, you still came after us, God. Our sin could never separate us from you, Lord, because you paid the price for us. So Father, we love you. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you for pursuing us. In your name we pray, amen.